Hello, and welcome to the Career Speakeasy, a casual, fun, and irreverent place to share ideas about career development, the world of work, and life in general. I'm your host and proprietress, Kelly Nottingham. Growing your career should not be boring. So come on in, pull up a chair, and pick your poison. Hi, everybody. I'd like to thank my mentors, Shimaran Ibrahim and Anna Scotty Satango, for sharing their ideas with me on energetic balance and input versus output over the years. Their ideas um, and thoughts continue to help me in the journey to find balance for myself. So how many of you have been trying to find more balance between your work and the rest of your life? And how many of you have really struggled with this because the whole finding balance thing just piles on more stress and starts to feel like work in itself? Well, in today's episode, we're going to explore a new way of thinking about work-life balance. This episode is going to be a little different from our normal episodes. Instead of giving solutions for you to take with you into your life, this episode is more of a take these ideas and think about them episode. Um, A to-go cup kind of episode, if you will, because these are the types of worldview and mindset shifts that can't be fixed in 30 minutes. You will definitely need to sip on these for a while. Now, I've been hearing a ton about work-life balance, especially ever since COVID hit and most of us, except for our wonderful essential workers, were effectively forced to stop our regular lives and sit at home. Now, for some, this was seen as an opportunity to sit down and take stock of life with a capital L. What have I been missing out on because I've been spending so much time at my job? Wow, my kids are great. Or, wow, my dogs are really needy when I'm home all day. Or, wow, I just realized I don't actually have any hobbies. So let's start square dancing. And now we're falling in love with the idea of not working all the time. Hooray! That is awesome. But, and this is a big but, I honestly think most of the advice out there on how to do this whole not working all the time thing is off the mark. Instead of giving people the freedom to enjoy the life part of the equation, we're often told to work harder on the life part. And that just creates more work. So in this episode, we're going to root around in a different way to approach work-life balance. So let's see where this takes us. The concept of work-life balance has been huge in philosophical circles for a long, long time, like thousands of years a long time particularly in ancient schools of thought in Asia. Think Taoism, for example. Now, they didn't necessarily call it work-life balance, but the ideas of taking time to nurture yourself and be present in the moment, well, those ideas were there in spades. In the West, however, uh, the few trickles of these ideas that popped up were basically just crushed by ideas of productivity at all costs of working hard to earn a reward of any kind, even literally just earning the right to be a member of a community required work, and doing nothing or taking time for yourself was seen as lazy, selfish, and evil. Evil. 
of the devil evil. Grab your pitchfork kind of evil. And if you think I'm being melodramatic, well, here's a phrase that was preached to me to as a kid over and over. And I'm positive a bunch of you grew up with this too. Idle hands are the devil's playthings. In other words, if you aren't constantly doing something productive, you're a literal instrument of evil. So I'm going to go ahead and say this now, even though it'll take time to really sink in. You are not a bad person for taking time for yourself. You are not a bad person just because you aren't productive all the time. You are not a bad person for caring for yourself. Now, please note that I also have to say these to myself a lot because this kind of worldview runs so deep for so many of us that it can take a lifetime to truly let go of this. So this is where I'm going to go off on the advice so many of us read and hear about work-life balance. Are you ready? Here we go. We work. We are productive members of society, but we feel it deep in our gut or in our heart or in our mind that something is missing from our lives. We feel numb or disconnected or stressed or frustrated or completely overwhelmed and worn out. Sound familiar? And we know we don't want to live this way, but we don't know what to do about it. So we read articles and books and listen to well-meaning people who say that we need to build in time and methods to balance our lives with our work. So we decide we need to do better. We need to spend more time with the kids or on our health or on creating a cozy home or decorating so we're organized or working on a passion project or purging our meditation corner so we can do mindfulness. This is where discussions of self-care also come in. We need to schedule yoga time. We need to get a massage. We need to light a candle and write in our journals. Now, if you haven't listened to our previous episode on self-care, you may want to add that one to your listening queue because that is not the whole picture of self-care. Lighting candles and massages are great, but they aren't everything. And this is where the work-life balance conversation is off the mark big time. All of this work-life balance discussion ties the life part into self-care, but they're not really the same thing. You can do lots of self-care, but still feel your work-life balance is off. Because I don't think the problem is work-life balance as much as it is doing and being balance. What do I mean by doing and being? Now, there are many different ways to discuss these two concepts. Most people have seen a yin-yang symbol, the circle with the two swirly halves, one's black and one's white, with a dot of the opposite color in each half. Yin-yang is a powerful symbol of so many different dualities, including doing and being. Now, you may have also heard of doing and being, described as energetic masculine and feminine. Now, I don't mean gender here, as in like male and female body parts. I mean the spiritual and energetic archetypes of masculine and feminine. Masculine energy is doing energy. Feminine energy is being energy. So doing energy is driven, goal-oriented, action. 
It's also driven, goal-oriented thinking. It's a way of existing in the world that's on some type of path toward something. Doing energy thinks of the past and the future and how those are different from the present. Doing energy is taking anything around us, including our emotions and thoughts, and saying, I need to do something with these. I need to fix something about these. For most of us, we live most of our waking hours and our working hours in the doing camp. So it's hard to even really understand that there's another camp at all, the being camp. So what is being? Being is non-linear, non-goal-oriented, and is non-action. It's receptive, but it's not receptive, but waiting for something to happen. It's receptive without expectation of anything happening. It's stillness. It's acceptance of what is right now. Being is hard, especially if you've been raised with ideas that not doing is wrong and evil and you're going to hell for laziness. And because daydreaming and relaxing and just enjoying ourselves in the moment have been identified by society as a type of laziness, We don't let ourselves do it much, or we feel guilty when we do. I mean, think about the last time you just zoned out. It could have been in any number of locations or situations. Maybe you were driving down an empty road, or washing dishes, or staring out the window during a work meeting, or showering. We sort of weirdly stop consciously existing for a little while. And what happens when we zone out? We get brilliant ideas. Our minds relax and we make connections between thoughts. We have random memories pop up. We go still and can feel our bodies relax. We sometimes feel more connected spiritually. We be. But how many times do we actually allow ourselves this opportunity? Usually this zoning out happens when we aren't really expecting it or trying to do it, which is very being of it just to show up unannounced. The thing is, we're so used to trying to accomplish all the time that we've lost the ability to zone out easily, to just be whenever we want. We become so attuned to doing, even when we're trying to take care of ourselves, that the life side of our equation, what may tie partially to self-care, just ends up becoming a big exercise in doing. I mean, think about how we vacation nowadays. If we're lucky enough to take time off from work, we try to force ourselves to relax and usually can't, even if we're in a beautiful location. So we blame the actual travel part for not letting us relax. So we instead stay home for a staycation. And then we decide that during our staycation, we must relax. So we're going to make a big long list of all the things we need to do to relax And that doesn't work either. And we end up going back to work even more stressed than before our vacation because we tried so hard and it didn't work. Hello, doing mindset. The big issue with all of these work-life conversations is that we're not looking for more to do, but we don't necessarily realize that. So we just try to do different things to get a different result. We feel the work side of our lives is too much, but in reality, it may or may not be too much work that's causing life to feel out of balance. 
It's that we're trying to fix too much doing with more doing. So where in my life can I recharge myself turns into what else can I do to fix me? Most advice gives you more to put on your to-do list, which adds more onto the work side of the equation. Work hard for your work-life balance. If I do more, I will be happy. If I work hard and then take the time from my job and do things with my kids to do things with myself, to do things with my spouse, we're still not balancing ourselves. We're just overloading our doing side again. This is why so many self-care conversations to me are strange. Self-care becomes its own burden because we try to do so much to do self-care right. Self-care in itself becomes a productive, goal-oriented effort. When we add on things to do to our work-life balance list, we're just adding more onto the exertion pile, not the replenishment pile. We try to recharge our worn out batteries by basically taking them out of one flashlight and putting them into another prettier lemongrass scented flashlight. But it's still a flashlight and it's still draining our batteries. All right, you say, I'm sold. I need to be more and do less. But how do I do that? Ah, yes, that is the big question because The problem for most of us is giving ourselves the time to be, and possibly more importantly, to give ourselves guilt-free permission to be and to not be productive. And frankly, I don't have an answer for that because I'm still working through this myself. But I do have a few ideas to share that might spark something for you. One place is to start meditating. And let me just say it up front, I suck at meditating. A friend of mine who is a Taoist priest told me that the goal of meditation is not just to empty the mind. The practice of pulling your mind back from trying to think is key. And that's the part that most people don't understand. They think, like I do, that I just suck at meditation because I can't go to empty brain right away. So we just give up. It's called mindfulness too a lot of the time nowadays, but to me, it's the opposite of mindfulness in a way. You're letting your brain sort of wander where it wants, but the only effort is in not making an effort. You're feeling your body, but not in an I must feel my body way. There's no pulling your brain back to a single thought. That's a doing thing. Just let your brain go where it wants without trying to force it down a particular thought path and without thinking about your thinking. Whoo, this just got super deep. This whole conversation actually reminds me, randomly, of playing on the Wii with my niece when she was about eight years old. So Wii is a a game console. And there was this weird meditation challenge on it that she absolutely loved. The goal of this challenge was to sit perfectly still on this little pad that would measure if you move or shifted your weight at all. There was a candle on the screen, and if you moved at all, the candle would flicker. So I guess the goal was to sit perfectly still so your candle wouldn't go out. But it was so strange to me because the whole approach was sort of the opposite of what it should have been. 
instead of relaxing into your body and letting your mind go free, you ended up hyper-focused on locking your body down so the stupid little candle wouldn't go out. I personally found it impossible to do. She won every single time, even at eight years old. But I don't think that it was a meditation exercise in any respect. And for a lot of us, this is where we misunderstand this idea of mindfulness. We think our way through mindfulness. We do mindfulness. We hyper-focus our brains on what am I doing right now? I must think only about meditating right now, which is a recipe for what? Doing. Outcome-based doing. Instead, being is, in a way, mindlessness. It's also bodilessness at the same time. It's all the little cells in our head and all the cells in our body coexisting, just existing. They might move a little, they might be tingling a little bit, but they're not trying to move or tingle. They're just existing. Now, a lot of times we also liken mindfulness to flow states. And I'm not going to argue with how awesome flow states are because they are. Flow is a great place to be when working. Time kind of disappears and you get completely engrossed in what you're doing and everything else just melts away from around you. But when we try to get into flow in our recharge time, that can add just another layer of doing. After all, the goal of flow is effortless what? Effortless productivity. And the effort itself is just more doing. We found yet another way to do because not doing feels selfish. And we may have all kinds of baggage come up from our upbringing and societal rules that demand that we feel guilty when we do things for ourselves. So even our non-doing time has to feel somehow productive. So what's the answer to this doing and being way of work-life balance? That's a really good question. I don't think there is an answer. I think it's different for each of us. Each one of us can plug into that being side of life, but it will look different for each of us. All I do know is that it's worth trying. And the great thing about being energy, we don't have to try to balance it like we think. It doesn't have to be a a level teeter-totter in this way. Doing and being energy don't work that way. Being time weighs much more than doing time. It has more impact on us than doing time. So instead of worrying about work-life balance and spending this amount of time working and this exact same amount of time in our life part, we don't have to worry about balancing 30 minutes of doing and 30 minutes of being because being recharges us for much more than the same amount of doing time drains us. Being time doesn't have to be huge chunks of time. And when we get better at it, we can actually be while we do. Think about showering, but zoning out. (laughs) Find opportunities to let your mind go blank, doing dishes or taking a walk. Letting our minds wander from our to-do list to, well, anything that isn't focused on an outcome. 
When we give ourselves permission to not have to do all the time, we recharge. It's that constant need to do that wears us out. Being, simply being, as hard as it is, will help us balance ourselves out. So now it's time for last call. In this next week, try to be. Find a few minutes today to be. Stare out the window. Stare at your hand. Try to let the doing go without forcing the doing to go. This is where the big challenge comes in, right? It's hard to let ourselves not be productive. There can be a lot of guilt there, so be kind to yourself. Relax and let your mind wander and see where it goes. And if you find this useful or you have a trick for this, let us know. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. If the pandemic lockdown has made you aware of some major changes you want to make in your career or life, I can help. Maybe you realize you hate your current job or that you're holding yourself back from making a big life change that deep down you really want. Now is the time to start building momentum for the future. I've spent my career in professional development and training at Fortune 100 companies, leading training initiatives and coaching people from frontline employees to executive level leaders to improve their relationship to their work, their colleagues, and themselves. If you think some non-judgmental support and gentle nudging would help to get you going, give me a call to discuss one-on-one coaching and consulting. If your organization or company is ready for an injection of new ideas, energy, and practical tools to improve company culture and efficiency, let's chat. I have off-the-shelf workshops ready to bring to your organization on topics like effective communication, change management, presentation skills, and a suite of leadership development workshops, just to name a few. Custom workshops are also an option. For a 30-minute complimentary consultation, email me at kelly.nottingham at gmail.com, go to kellynottingham.com, or reach out to me on LinkedIn or via the links in the podcast notes so we can see if I'm a good fit for your needs. Well, thanks for joining me. If you have suggestions, feedback, or just something random you want to share, email me at careerspeakeasy at gmail.com and come visit again soon. Cheers.